Hey guys, welcome back to Financial Flex with Lex. I'm your host, Alex. Let's change the way we talk about money. Hope everyone is having a great day so far. Really excited for this week's episode. So with that being said, I'm just going to go ahead and dive right into a quick little life update. So we have hit a huge milestone of $5,000 left on our loans. Well, my loan. Um, it's just... It was really exciting on Saturday to like hit that number. Um, and so technically we have like two more months left and then we'll be done hopefully by the first week of November. So I thought until the same day our car broke down and we had to pay to get it fixed. And so um, we are taking a little break from our loans this month. Um, I'm not sure if we'll be able to put anything towards the loans or whatever, but we have to, you know, pay to get our car fixed. And I'm just, that whole thing is ugh, a story for another freaking day. But um, yeah, so it was a very exciting day until that happened. Um, other than that, nothing really much has been going on. Common sense has been going. And I do just want to say, if you have not yet ordered a tote bag, if you've missed out on that, um, pre-orders are open. You can order a bag until the end of this month. And then that's when I'll be closing down the pre-orders and getting the bags made. Also, if you want to join the financial support group, um, signups are until September 14th. Um, I both have a virtual and and an in-person one. So if you want to do that, be sure to sign up. The link is in both my personal Instagram bio and the Financial Flex podcast bio. Um, So check those out. I will have those both linked in the show notes if you're interested in joining or purchasing a tote. I'm so excited for what we have coming up in the next couple of months. Um, So yeah, I'm really, really excited. All right, so before we get into today's episode, I do just want to say thank you guys so much for listening. Um, If you feel like being super kind, share this episode, give this podcast a rating and review, subscribe, do all the things. All right, guys, let's get into today's episode. So today's story is a true crime story. Um, I've done a couple of these on my podcast before and I want to continue doing them because I obviously love personal finance and money, but I love true crime as well. And so I thought that it would be really fun to start including these, um, you know, every couple of episodes. Um, Today's true crime case is actually inspired by another podcast that I was listening to, um, the Brown Ambition podcast, and they posed a really great question about how do you, as a, let's just say, first generation parent who's doing really well, who's like financially secure, how do you cause struggle for your child so that they are more um, appreciative of what they have Um, and so that's what this case I feel like that's a good example of showing like what could or couldn't happen when kids from well-to-do families um, don't struggle so here is the case of the UL murders today's sources come from soapboxy.com lauriajohnston.medium.com and from YouTube, the You Will Murders documentary. All three sources are linked below in the show notes. On April 19, 1992, a neighbor was standing outside of the Ewell house when the Ewell's family maid showed up to the home. 
The neighbor stated that Dana Ewell, the child's youngest son, had called saying he wasn't able to get a hold of his family. The maid let the cleaning crew in, and that's when they made a shocking discovery. Dale Ewell, Glee Ewell, and Tiffany Ewell were all found deceased in their home. Dale Ewell grew up in northeastern Ohio on a farm. He was the second oldest of five children. He met his wife, Glee Ewell, while living in Arizona. Um, They fell in love, got married, and had their daughter, Tiffany, and their son, Dana. Dale grew up during the Great Depression, so he didn't really have much, and so he was said to be like a very serious, rigid businessman. Um, He earned a lot of his fortune by acquiring an aircraft dealership. It was said that he could make up to $30,000 off of the sale of one airplane. Um, He also owned hundreds of acres of land as well as stocks and bonds. It was said that Dale spoiled his kids, showering them with gifts because he grew up without much, which to me kind of makes sense. I feel like as a parent, if you grew up not having a lot, but then when you get older and you do have a lot, you obviously want to let your kids like have a better life than you did. So like that totally makes sense to me. Dana Ewell was born on January 28th, 1971. Um, Dana was known to be quite the liar as a kid. And unfortunately, it wasn't something that he grew out of like into uh, adolescence and adulthood. Um, He attended St. Joaquin Memorial High School, which was a private school in the area that he lived in, in Fresno, California. He was a straight-A student. He wanted to become a billion-dollar business tycoon. In high school, he was deemed most likely to succeed. He wore suits to school and would, like, you know, even take a limo, which is very much like Chuck Bass or Bass from Gossip Girl vibes, I feel like. Um... So, yes, he was a very popular guy. He attended college at Santa Clara University, where he lied to classmates about being a stockbroker at only 18 and being an owner of a business that generated $2.7 million a year, I read, according to one source. And so basically, he was just kind of like taking his dad's accomplishments and spinning that into his own and there was an ev- there was even an article uh, written about that and it was said that his parents actually read that article and when his dad found out about it he was very upset and told Dale listen like I'll support you through school but once you've graduated you're on your own and so this was said to have been like a very pivotal moment for Dana. So a few days after the murder, a memorial service was held for the three family members. Um, It was said that Dana was laughing during the funeral and he wasn't mourning at all, which is pretty sketchy behavior for like having pretty much your entire family murdered. You would think that you would be distraught, sad, like unable to literally breathe, but he was just totally normal. And it was said that the day after he grabbed a keg of beer, a boat and his friends and had a party like on the boat. Totally normal. No worries. Like no cares, just vibes. Like your whole family pretty much got murdered and you're out here on a boat chilling. 
Dale Yule's brothers um, told police that Dana was pestering them about his father's um, estate. So pretty much he was like, okay, when am I getting my inheritance? Dale and Glee had a net worth of around $8 million. So like I said, like they were pretty well off. And as a sole survivor, Dana was like, okay, run me my money. Like, where is it? And that's when he got the news that once he turned 25, he would receive full interest of the inheritance and then he would receive um, half of the inheritance, I believe, when he turned 30 and then the other half of the inheritance when he turned 35. And so when he heard this, he got so upset. He, you know, slammed his fist down on the table and was like, I can't believe my father would do this to me. Like, he was just so upset that he wasn't getting all of this money right away. So obviously with this information, police are, you know, giving Dana the side eye. They're like, this guy is sketchy, but he had a airtight alibi. So on the weekend of the murders, he was actually with his family, with his girlfriend, Monica, at the time. And they were even said to have dinner with his family and Monica's family as well. And the pair headed back home. Um, on Sunday and from home they went back to Santa Clarita University because they had some stuff to like take care of so they had like he had a really solid alibi and not to mention Monica's dad was an FBI agent so it's like okay this guy literally could not have done it because his alibi is airtight he was with an FBI agent like we've we've got to look elsewhere but Police just could not get Dana off of their radar. He was just, the way that he was acting was just too suspicious. It wasn't like a brother or son in mourning. And it was said that he was spending money like crazy. For example, because he was a sole survivor of his family, he was allowed to name himself as the appointed trustee over his grandmother's account. Um, This account had $400,000 in it, and it was solely for her care at a nursing home. But he was literally draining this account. It was said to have only $2,000 left in this account, um, and that was just like a huge red flag to police. So one day, police began to canvas the college. So they began to start asking questions, poking their heads around Santa Clarita College, asking classmates and peers about um, Dana. And in those conversations, a guy named Joel Radisich's name was popping up enough for them to check him out. So when police questioned Joel, He said that he had been working at an auto body shop for most of the day and he went home around 11 p.m., you know, during the time of the murders. Only problem is, is that Joel's alibi did not check out. So Dana and Joel were said to be best friends. Um, Opposites attract, I guess, because while Dana was this professional business type rich kind of guy Joel was like the complete opposite he was said to be you know a little seedy a loner he did drugs like people just thought that the two were just like such a strange pair 
So a little bit after the murders, Dana dropped out of school, moved back to Fresno, and that's when police started to surveil his home. Um, and wouldn't you know it, Joel actually moved in with Dana and they were spotted going to several banks and it was said that he was that Dana was spoiling his girlfriend Monica with gifts and even paid for part of her tuition um one of the detectives in the case even stated that he saw Dana and Joel leave a bank together and Joel was like super happy jumping up and down like he had just won the lotto um so yeah after a while, Joel and Dana, I guess they kind of figured out like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be hanging out together all the time. So they stopped hanging out together physically and Joel would contact Dana via payphone. And it was even said that once he was demanding a quarter of a million dollars from Dana. And that's a lot of money. And for what? Like, I wouldn't call my best friend demanding $250,000. So that was very sketchy. And I should note that at this point, police started to basically spy on Joel's phone calls. So they were able to, now I'm not the most tech savvy person, but they were basically able to hack Joel's pager. So anytime a phone call or anything was made to Joel, police received it. So Dana eventually went back to Santa Clarita. He was a senior to, you know, finish up school and police and police decided to pay him a visit in his dorm room. And they kind of wanted to mess with him a bit just to see, you know, how much does this guy really know? Like, let's see if we can get him to crack. And so police enter his room and they're like, yeah, we know about Joel. He's the one that killed your family. And it was said that Dana went like pale white, super ghostly. and just you know got a little agitated so after cops left they of course followed him and where did he go straight to a payphone and keep in mind that you know their phone calls everything is being monitored and he calls joel and they're discussing they're like oh no they know like can i go to jail for this so very incriminating so right there police are like okay you know these two have something going on um let's let's ramp it up so police you know spend pretty much like two years making this very detailed timeline of everything um they are dead set on on getting these guys so in 1995 the police were able to piece together a theory joel had agreed to kill dana's family for a piece of his inheritance um and while they were doing this super investigative work another person comes into play his name is jack ponce back in 1993 police found out that jack ponce was a friend of joel's older brother and in october of that year he was interviewed now at the time jack denied knowing anything but police kept up the pressure and obviously he cracked so in 1994 he admitted that he owned a gun that had been stolen, and that gun had been a 9mm gun, which was the same weapon used at the scene of the crime. So now we fast forward a year later, back to 1995. Police have got everything in order, and then they launch Operation Three Stooges. So Joel Radisich was arrested first, then Jack Ponce, and then Dana. Now, they were all charged with first-degree murder. However, Jack, in order 
to receive immunity testified against the two. So he pretty much spilled all the ble- all the beans in order to, you know, receive immunity. Ponce said that Joel had told him about the killings at the beach, but he did say that he literally had no idea um, that the gun purchased for Radisich would be used for the murder. So during trial, Ewell's assets were frozen and he could no longer pay for his attorney. So goodbye to that inheritance and he was given a public defender. And testimonies lasted four months and then clearly the jury found the pair guilty. But Joel's lawyer was really, really set on saving Joel's life, having him not receive the death penalty. So they... um. So they built their case upon Joel having some sort of schizo disorder caused by early childhood trauma. And the jury just couldn't reach a unanimous decision for either men in regards to their sentencing. So in California, if the jury can't, you know, completely agree on a punishment, um, then the death penalty is completely taken off the table. So since the jury couldn't, you know, come to an agreement, Both men were given life in prison and they were um, given three consecutive life sentences. So there you have it. Dana Ewell pretty much planned and plotted to kill his family in order to receive his $8 million inheritance early, only to realize that it would take pretty much 10 years for his full inheritance to be received and three people lost their lives due to his greed um so that is the ewell murder case <laughs> 